The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In the game of basketball, stars are made. But how do they get to that point? How has the game changed them? And what are they doing today? Welcome to Rebound Radio with your host, Matt Fish of Rebound Magazine. Each week, Matt goes one-on-one with some of the legends of basketball, finds out their inside story, and uncovers stories you've got to hear to believe. Now, here's Matt Fish. Welcome to another installment of Rebound Radio on Voice America Radio. Alex Clancy in studio. Matt Fish has stepped away. He'll be back momentarily. You can follow Matthew Fish on Twitter at Rebound Talk. Uh, you can email him at mattfish at reboundmagazine.com if you want to hear about anything having to do with Rebound Magazine. That's focal point is retired NBA players, retired WNBA players, Harlem Globetrotters, etc. Uh, and all the things that they have done since... They hung up their jerseys and their sneakers with the lights off, and their actual life begins after basketball. So, uh, very, very intriguing stuff. He's about to uh, release the most recent uh, uh, edition. I saw him fin- doing the finishing touches before we started the show today. Um, so, we have a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk NBA draft briefly. Well, because we are in the Valley of the Sun, Phoenix, Arizona, we uh, will talk about Dragon Bender and. Uh, the number eight pick that the Suns traded for, Marquise Chris, that uh, I think might be, if not the, one of the top steals of the draft coming out of Washington. This is the first year in many years, at least 15 by my estimation, and I will back up uh, that statement with some facts in a moment, that the Suns actually had a positive draft that will not cripple them for the future uh, in regard to you know just bad draft picks or... Or, I mean, really just bad draft picks. That's pretty much what the Suns have gone through uh, over the better part of two decades. So we'll touch on that. And the big hot topic issue, hot button issue now, is free agency. The pending looming of free agency begins uh, in about less... It's T-minus six hours now. Uh, the Kevin Durant sweepstakes will begin. Uh, you know, among others, Al Horford... Uh, Paul Gasol, to a lesser extent, Dirk Nowitzki is probably going to resign. Dwayne Wade. This could be a whole lot of nothing. Much ado about nothing. If we're going to quote a little Shakespeare up in here on Rebound Radio, um, but we'll talk about it. Uh, let's first get to the NBA draft. It kind of went as everybody thought it might. Subtract all the awesome stuff that could have happened. The only real interesting thing that happened had nothing to do with the draft except for one of the draft picks being a part of the package. Serge Ibaka from Oklahoma City getting traded to Orlando for Victor Oladipo, Arian Ilyasova, who was a lottery pick um, uh, several years ago, and uh, DeMontis Sabonis, the uh, kin of Arvita Sabonis, who is one of the best. I'd say he's top um, top five best European players ever. And uh, Matt Fish played against him, I think, from the uh, the 
hand movement I just got. So yeah. why don't you take it away? Give me a little Arvidas Sabonis talk here. Well, I, you know, what I remember about Arvidas is he was a really good teammate. Uh, a lot of that had to do, though, is because he knew how to play the game, and he would he would he he got in good with some of the other players on his team, knowing that uh, uh, he he would be somebody that they could count on in certain circumstances. Now, whether or not you're looking at the man the size of a mountain that can jack threes, and for somebody like me, I would play off of him, you know, and they're like, uh, don't play off of him because he has that skill has carried on to his boy. You know, his boy's left-handed, I believe, mm-hmm. and very talented. I think he's very um, taught well by his dad. You know, I, I think that he knows the game now. And, and f- so from what I know about Arvidas and playing against him, and he's just a massive, massive man, his boy ain't near as big as he is, mm-hmm. if you will, you know, but uh, certainly has the same skill set that his father did, did have. And, um, you know, maybe he doesn't need all that size. He'll just have to utilize his ability to take it off a dribble that his dad didn't have. Yeah, and Arvidas was listed at 279, 73, 279. He's 279. Minus twenty five pounds. There's no way that he was only two eighty. He was a big dude. He yeah. was kind of he was kind of twinkle toe esque, um, but unfortunately for him, his his knees and ankles were bad. His his legs were bad. He never played a full season uh, in the NBA. He was a thirty one year old rookie. Yeah, I guess you could say. Um, well, I think he won a whole bunch of stuff overseas first. You know, I think he even won some championships over there. And I'm not exactly sure. I wish I could name him off, but had a heck of a career and then came to the NBA. Yeah, uh, he was the the heir apparent to Sarunas Marshallonis for the most popular Lithuanian that ever graced the uh, the NBA court. Uh, mm-hmm. Sarunas Marshallonis came first, right? Yeah, and I liked his game too. Another lefty who drove yeah. hard. I remember Sarunas before he passed he away. He was like it was a, a big loss. Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah, and yeah. he was like Manu Ginobili before Manu Ginobili. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you know, agree he that. wasn't yeah. as he wasn't as elusive. He was a better ball handler. You know, he went more north and south instead of euro stepping like uh, like Manu's known to do. Um, but yeah, Lithuania brought out two great, uh, great uh, heirs to their uh, to their throne from over there. And and you know what, Demondis Sabonis is he he's soft. Uh, he's really raw. He's got nice touch. He shoots well from the line. Um, and uh, and uh, you know it, there's some things that that will that will benefit Oklahoma City. So back to the trade. It's uh, Victor Oladipo, Aaron Eliasova, who's a shooter. You know, he'll add some points, like a Marco Bellinelli kind of type. A little bit taller than Bellinelli, a little bit better defender. And and Sabonis down low, you get rid of Serge Ibaka, the elusivity of having a guy that can score around the basket and step out like Serge Ibaka was at one point. Now you get back with a much younger version. And then you add Enos Kander, who will have a better role. He'll be maybe the sixth man or seventh man off the bench. And then... um. And then Stephen Adams. Yeah. Why would? And then they're talking about Al Horford coming. So we're gonna we're gonna fuse these two conversations together. But first, yes, we have Rick Darnell on the horn. Rick is the president of the NBRPA Los Angeles uh, chapter for uh, out there, and he's doing wonderful things. Uh, he called me a second ago, and I said, "Hey, man, call me back. I'm on the radio." So I'm excited. <laughs> to have, I'm excited to have him on the radio. Rick, are you here? I'm here, buddy. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing real well, man. How are things out in L.A.? Everything's going great. Everything's going really well. Didn't you just have an event for the NBRPA out your way? Yeah, we just had a great turnout. We had Michael Cage, Cherokee Parks, uh, Keith Kloss. We actually had a seven foot five kid that uh, Jeremy uh, McDermott had played with the Globe Chotters and Keith Kloss at 7'3". So it was a, they filled the room pretty well. But we had uh, Norm Nixon, Jamal Wilkes, and... A lot of, you know, great great athletes that was in there. We had 25 players that showed up. And, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, 
it was great. You served some kids then? Is that was it? We put on a camp of some sort. Is that what you guys did? Yeah, yeah, we're putting on some camps. We just did nice. one a couple of weeks ago, trying to get back to the kids. You know, sure, get back to the kids. Something that you know, we a lot of us athletes are starting to forget that. Uh, We've got to really give back because all the other coaches who gave so much to us to make it where we got it, it possible for us to do it. There are two guys you just talked about. Let me go. Let me go sidebar here. Uh, this is Alex. I grew up in LA, and I one of my first memories was watching the Lakers off the reflection when I was six years old, uh, watching Kareem and Magic. There are a couple things that people don't that, that overlook a little bit here. The fact that Norm Nixon uh, played for the Clippers and the Lakers, and so did Jamal Wilkes. How how do they get away with it? Is this just before it was from Twitter, before Twitter, that they can get away with playing for both teams? <laughs> I, I guess so. You know, it's it's almost like going from Arizona State to Arizona. It's, <laughs> right. it's kind of like dicey now. But uh, I guess back in those days, it, I mean, I, it, I think when Norm actually, when he went to the Clippers, they were in San Diego. Right, so right. it wasn't as, as tough back there when they did that. But uh, uh, definitely nowadays, it, w- it would be in the hot seat <laughs> you had to do that. Any uh, upcoming events for the NBRPA out in LA? Yeah, we're starting to put together another one. We're uh, um, got a pretty big event we're doing for the, you know a couple of the cities. We're starting to work heavily with the cities. You know, trying to do two, three day camps on the weekends to um, help the parents with the kids and nice. get out there and uh, give back to the kids and, and you know teach them much needed fundamentals that I think a lot of the players in, in the, the game are missing nowadays. But. Uh, uh, no, just trying to give back and you know, uh, thank the people for all the wonderful things they did for us while we were playing. Hey, how long have you been a member, Rick? Ah, God, probably twenty years or so. Golly, it's been that long. Oh. Good for you. That's awesome. Hey, give me a little bit of your career. Uh, let's go back to your playing days. Um, you know, kind of give me a rundown of of college, your transition into the pros. I know you played quite a bit overseas. I believe in Italy, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did, and um, you know, just kind of give me a little bit of uh, of what it was like to play back then. Uh, a little bit about your career, getting out of college. It's kind of nice to get to know you, Rick. All right. <laughs> well, I, I I played at Indiana State, and um, I was there when I we recruited Larry Bird to come in. And as a junior, I thought I was that uh, was all everything, and <laughs> I. Uh, the Pacers had picked me up to play uh, with them at, at coming out as a junior, and I um, went back to L.A. and played in the L.A. Pro League and had guys like Bob Rule and Nate Thurman. Mm. And, you know, uh, I actually, Artis Gilmer even played in that summer league, and I think after my third game, and, and I felt like I was beat so badly that I, I actually decided I didn't want to go pro and <laughs> um, actually wanted to transfer, set out of your red shirt because I played made me ineligible by playing in the pro league, but uh, I hadn't signed my pro contract, which was lucky. So then I, get, I ended up last second uh, trying to sign and, and go to USC, but then there was problems with eligibility requirements, and so then I ended up at San Jose State and played my uh, redshirt and played there, and then I uh, got drafted with, I think it was Boston and, uh, and the Squires, ended up playing with the Squires, and that was probably the worst year to come out to be in the league. I think I was the only no cut on the team. We had, I think we had twelve players and we had eleven no cuts, wow. and then all the other teams started folding. So every day you went to practice, there was um, anywhere to you know three to five players trying to get your job every time you came back from a road trip. Yeah. And so then um, halfway through the season, I got cut. Then I bounced with Denver on a ten day contract, okay. and then 
Phoenix, and then uh, actually didn't even get into Phoenix. Got to sign the sign the contract, and then basically um, the following year, uh, uh, Don Nelson wanted me really bad, but I was in. I think uh, I think Phoenix and Pitica picked up my uh, dispersal draft rights, and then uh, so I went to Italy to break that contract, and okay. uh, I was. And I was going to come back and sign with Don Nelson when he was at Milwaukee. And uh-huh. I went over to Italy, and the first three years there, I was MVP of Europe. I got pretty lucky average in the high 30s a game. And wow. there was only one American there, but I shot the ball a lot. <laughs> but then uh, uh, the next three years, I was MVP. Every year, I tried to come back, but uh, they just uh, offered me more yeah. money every year. But I, I ended up playing nine years over in Italy. And, yeah, I knew that. And uh, I think on like my seventh year, I went to France for a year, played in Nice, and went back to Italy, and then uh, hung up with um, uh played in, in the European Cup the last year in England after I retired. But <laughs> And then uh, after that, it's all history, just trying to help them give back to kids and yeah. get to hang out with wonderful people. And you're that. still like, yeah, well, thanks, but you're, you're my height. We're the same height. We, we, I like it when we talk to one another standing up because we can see eye to eye. You're don't a rub, big don't dude. Don't rub it in. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> you're a big dude. You used to set hard picks, but still average in the high 30s over in Europe. People don't even understand. You go back to the days when you were trying to make a team. You were on a team. You go on a road trip, come back, somebody's vying for your position. Nowadays, they have all these guaranteed contracts that they didn't have back in the day. Hell, there weren't even guaranteed leagues back then. So, you know, it's completely different now than it was when you went through and even when I went through. I'm about, what, a year and a half younger than you. So it's amazing how the whole thing just continues to evolve into something bigger and better. And we look at these young kids now and just, you know, tell them, hey, guys, be careful because it goes by fast because we've all experienced it. You know, and then you, you, you went and you did your thing, and you, I know you live in Orange County, don't you now? And, and you have for a long yeah. time, and you've been there in the community making such a big difference, and you're a big stature. You know, you walk in, and, and you're almost seven foot tall, and you're a big wide body, and, you know, but beyond that, you're approachable. And that's what everyone loves yeah. about you, Rick. You know, they come up to you, and they, they, they chat it up, and you always have a, a, good, a good quip to come back with them. But beyond that, you have a great big heart. You've been the president of the chapter out there for quite a while. You've been doing a lot of great things in the community. And I know you've always been in the sports world. And, you know, I was just glad to have you on the show, and I'm glad to be able to chat it up with you and introduce you to the Rebound, uh, um, you know, audience. And, and family uh, now. And, and family. Yeah, your family now. But Rick's always been a part of my family as far as I'm concerned. You know, so hey, are you going to go up to the Legends World Sports Conference next month? Yeah, I'm going to be up there. Um, I've got a bunch of. Uh, I'm definitely going to be up there. I'm going to bring some things out to help a lot of the chapters and help some of the guys and uh, some sponsorship and something. I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit later. But, good, uh, good, good. Let's uh, get back to being nice. So you're you're one of the big teddy bears too. All, <laughs> all the guys are teddy bears, and and Matt, you you've gone above and beyond trying to help all your chapter members, and and a lot of people don't realize how difficult it is. And it's it's the lesser of the two evils. Whatever you do, you you, you bust your butt to help uh, give back to your your fellow uh, you know players, and it's keep your you know, part of your chapter. And it's um, it's not a thankful thing, but it's uh, you've done a wonderful job there, and you're always taking your you know your time and your free time, taking away from your family to go out to help these guys with a lot of the community events that you put on out there and it's just well you know, thanks i take my hand off and thank you for yeah being a wonderful person and a friend well good no, good goodness we could just sit around and stroke each other all day long how's that <laughs> how's that sound <laughs> but no, but but again uh you know next month uh, i hope it's a good turnout 
you know, we'll, we'll see. I think they're supposed to, uh, they're saying anyway, it's going to be very well attended. But what's really cool yeah. is that we're going to get over there to the uh, Summer League some. So have a chance to see some yeah. of the young guys, see some of the new draftees and the teams that they're on. That's always fun. You know, we can go back and reconnect with yeah. all the people we played with, with you know, fraternize. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know they'll have a bunch of breakout sessions and so forth, too. We're going to have Rebound Radio right there in the Legends World Sports Conference, right in the Legends Lounge. So we're going to be doing some interviews. We're going to even take it over to the – uh, summer league, and we're going to have some fun over there with the video and pulling some of this stuff. I'm hope I'm trying to talk Alex Clancy in here to coming up with me. So uh, you know oh, we're looking pull forward. Pull my arm, <laughs> like, Vegas? On. No, <laughs> Vegas? No. So uh, you know we're looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to seeing you as well. Oh, I'm too, and I want to make sure I can get uh, one of our uh, our new chapter members getting active again. Uh, Michael Cage, you get him on the on the horn with you out there at the chat at the. Annual meeting because he's just a wonderful person too, and uh, Michael's going to get really heavily involved with this now. So good, one, good. one of the most one of the most underrated rebounders of all time, beast. He's just exactly. overlooked. Him and Charles Oakley gets all the praise because Charles Oakley would punch people in the face. But you have, I mean, Michael Cage, and I remember watching like that's great. And yeah. uh, the, and I'll just give my piece. I've said this on every show. Um, it's I, I get to see it firsthand. I got kind of uh, the crash course on the NBRPA and Rebound Radio, and I mean Rebound Magazine, and it's been a uh, it's been an interesting and fun journey and very informative so far for the first six or seven weeks we've been doing this. So um, I'm excited to see what happens in the future as well. well uh, that, I, I'm looking forward to meeting you guys out there and having a great time. And uh, I'm going to bring, I'll, I'll bring some of my, uh, my, part of my tequila company, the commissary tequila, I'm going to bring out to you guys and we'll have a few drinks when we're out there, okay? That, that sounds good. If you can stick around, do, but we're going to have to head to a break. I'm going to let Clancy take us out to break. Yeah, on the, on the other side, we're going to talk some basketball. Um, the draft, free agency, the Suns. I don't know when we're going to get to the Suns. we got to give them a little, a little do. I, I gave it a little bit in the intro. We might talk about it in the third segment. Alex Clancy, Matt Fish in studio, Mr. Rick Darnell on the line. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Hosts J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The future of online TV is here. 
View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You're listening to Rebound Radio with Matt Fish. Call into the show today at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also drop an email to mattfish at reboundradio.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Alex Clancy, Matt Fish in studio. Rick Darnell on the line, the Los Angeles president for the National Basketball Retired Players Association. Uh, we were catching up with him, talking about the things that are going on in L.A. with regards to the NBRPA. Now let's segue back into the Valley of the Sun. Uh, the Phoenix Suns actually made a move in the first 10 picks of the draft this year, which is something that, uh, that people here, I've only lived here uh, about six years, but I know enough uh, to see how poorly they uh, perform in, uh, in, in draft situations. Drafted Dragon Bender, Mr. 18-year-old uh, Euro, and then they got... Uh, uh, the kid, Marquise Chris from Washington, it's who they wanted to draft it for, but I guess they were in talks with Sacramento at the time, so they knew that they'd be able to get him at eight, and they traded nothing for him. They traded their 13th and 28th pick for him, and, uh, and I think Bogdanovich. Uh, these two guys are 6'11", Dragon Bender's more of a shooter, mm-hmm. and Mr. Chris is, if he can stay on the court because he got in a lot of foul trouble in college, uh, he's going to be great. They're really young, they're raw. Now, that begged the question... When was the last time the Suns had a profitable draft? And I'm looking back. Let's start in 2001. Okay. Okay, so that is the better part of two decades at this point. It's, it's a decade and a half. Yep. Okay? I will give you a couple names that are st- the pe- players that are still in the league. Amari Stoudemire, Lou Aldang, Martian Gortat, mm. Nate Robinson, um, who else? Rajon Rondo, Markeith Morris, and Alex Len. TJ Warren. So eight in 17 years of guys that are still actually getting minutes and taking away Devin Booker uh, from last year's draft. Okay? They traded Lou Aldang on draft day. They traded Rajon Rondo for $500,000 on draft day to the Celtics because they had Steve Nash didn't have to worry about it. There are not more than two guys, three guys, that are still on the Suns roster across all 16 years, let alone in the league. So it shows how poor the Suns have done over the draft uh, situation, Robert Sarver might have something to do with it. Uh, Ryan McDonough, the assistant general manager over at, in Boston when they won the championship in 2008 with Danny Ainge, he was the, 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 uh, the uh, protege. He comes over here. They won 48 games in his first year, I believe, and then they've um, excremented since. <laughs> so you have, you have a situation now where you have Devin Booker, you have Brandon Knight, yeah. you have Eric Bledsoe, and you have these two babies that you just drafted. And now... You have your foundation. You got to get lucky. You got to get lucky that Drongan Bender is something close to Porzingis or that Marquise Chris can stay healthy because he's really big and he's really young. And he's not that agile. He's a very stand-up, straight-up runner. And with regards to the future, it could be really fun to watch the Suns. They don't have any veteran leadership whatsoever. You have Tyson Chandler, but even he is kind of losing his luster uh, in regard to actually being able to perform, and you can't really, unless you're like Tim Duncan, you got to be able to perform a little bit if you're going to have any sort of weight in the locker room. I wonder if they didn't draft Dragon because they were pumping up um, Dragon, Dragon, 
Dragovic went, went to Miami. Goran Dragic? Goran Dragic. So we got another dragon? Yeah, we got another dragon. I'm sitting yeah. thinking, well, they already promoted the heck out of one dragon, so let's go ahead and draft another yeah, so we didn't waste that, all that promotion. Yeah, uh, I think that Dragon, Bender, Dragon. <laughs> dragon. You were just pronouncing his, his first name wrong. <laughs> no, I don't which, know. which is setting I up a whole other dragon. set of issues. <laughs> okay, anyways, that's enough Suns talk. Okay, so the draft across the board, everything kind of went exactly everybody thought it was going to. Yeah. The only real thing that changed a little bit was uh, the Celtics drafted six players and didn't do anything else. And they had six draft picks, didn't package any to move up, didn't do anything that, that would benefit them in the upcoming year. All they did was get younger, and there's not really much that they got in, in the draft that's going to help them right away. Now with and there are no real trades that, that that they're in the midst of. They're talking about getting Dwight Howard. He's a free agent. You don't need to trade him. Yeah. They're talking about getting Al Horford. He's a free agent. You don't need to trade him. So the, now you have zero roster spots for seventy-five guys. And I know some are going to play in the D League initially. We'll see how the summer pro league goes with the team. But they have a pretty solid roster. You know they need a big guy, and I, I'm assuming though I think they'll get Dwight Howard. We'll talk about that a little later, but. All in all, the draft was boring. That's the point of my story. Well, I mean, boring or not, I guess when things go like they're supposed to, then that makes it boring. I mean, if someone's going to throw in some sort of twist, it certainly wasn't going to be the Boston Celtics. And I would put them on the loser list as well. Uh, despite Jalen Brown and his ability to be a contributing player in the NBA, he's just not a piece that will push Boston over the hump in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and they, they reached for him a little bit. Yeah. Nobody really saw him going three. They were... Thinking Dragon Bender or Chris Dunn, the kid from uh, Providence, yeah. uh, Minnesota, kind of lucked out getting him at five. Um, they might not be done yet. They might be moving him to get a point guard. Um, Buddy healed six. I mean, it just wasn't fun. Jamal Murray, the point guard from from uh, Kentucky, he's more of, he's more of an off guard, but he likes to dominate the ball. And they just drafted um, the kid out of China that went to SMU, uh, Emmanuel Mudiay. Yeah, Mudiay. So we don't really know what's going to happen there. Marquise Chris, that was great. I think it was a great pick at eight. Um, well, I think the Celtics the got a lot of, of players. They got a large haul of players. Yeah, but, they got six players. But their inability to make a deal for the for an all-star caliber player really lands them in what I think the the, the, the draft night losers list. Yeah, I'm afraid. And, but, I mean, it, the only real winners are the top three or four teams. That's really how the draft is. Unless you find your the next Draymond Green is what everybody's talking yeah. about. So, you, I mean, what you mean is the next run our test. Is that what you're saying? Because that's who Draymond Green's like. <laughs> I don't really see a difference, except that, that Draymond Green has doubled the technicals that Ron Artest had through four seasons. And, and everyone thought he was the bad boy. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, go ahead. What do you think about the draft as a whole? Rick, go uh, ahead. No, I, yeah. I, I think you guys are right on point with all this. and um, uh, I'm just really... Uh, I, I'm amazed how, how I think you guys are pinpointing just my same thoughts of everything you guys have been saying up to now. You think it was boring then? That's <laughs> what you're telling us. Kind of just I, I ho hum. I thought it was mixed, and it was it was amazing that you know once again that so many Europeans are, are coming back into the draft, and it's, I, I just don't understand what's happening with the the American. I mean, the players are not just developed like they. In the past, there's not even great players that's going to, you know, the three and four years 
that really come out and is really ready to step right into the league. Well, Rick, yeah. Rick, when you and I went through, you played all four years. There was none of this coming out early, and Shaq really twisted things up when he came out as a sophomore. And now it's just what happens. You're one and done, or an overseas player comes over here who you know didn't play any college at all, so it's almost like coming out of high school. Yeah, I mean, what I don't understand, though, is how Moses Malone went under the radar. Because he came right out of high school, and then nobody did afterwards. So it, 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 I'm sorry. Well, I think was, was that different because in the, at that time in the NBA you couldn't draft um, under uh, undergraduate uh, players, and he went into the uh, ABA. That's right. Yeah, uh, that's right. Into the uh, Utah Stars, wasn't it? Yes, yes. So he could get drafted out of the other league. Correct? Well, and I think I think the reason a main reason why to answer your point uh, to answer your question, Rick, is the NBA is now becoming more and more European as we go. Oh, well, it has been. You yeah. know, it, it that's just been the that's been the path because now you can't touch anybody. So it's not because it's not because they are masking their game after European basketball, but you, if you can't touch anybody, then you got to you have to learn how to play, you know, not back to the basket anymore. Okay, what do you mean by European basketball? And t- t- we got somebody more on fluid. the line. We got somebody on the line right now played 9 years yeah, of okay, European so, basketball. So Rick, tell me this. Okay? You have what the basketball in the 80s where I'm going to punch you in the face for a rebound and no foul is going to be called the good old days as we call it. Now you right. have the NBA where if there's no hand checking, there's, only, there's no arm bar anymore, there's nothing that you can do when somebody's backing you down that you call a foul on every play. Players are starting to be able to shoot the 18-footer instead of going right to the basket. Things are starting to become more fluid, more pick and roll, more three-point shooting, a la the European style. Are you seeing the NBA moving towards that for one reason or another? Like, is that where we're going? Well, I, I just think that what, what's happened in the past is, I mean, we got so exposed in the Olympics in the past when all we could do is go in and dunk, and then we were playing some European teams that just, you know, threw a, threw a zone up. We yeah. couldn't get in and get the dunks, and we weren't opening. And we weren't just taking being satisfied with that open you know, 18 to 20 footer, and that's how we got, we got killed in the Olympics that one year. And I think after that happening, then the game has changed, and people realize that you can't. We're not so dominating throughout this world, and and then uh, I guess players start picking up and start you know shooting it outside. Then uh, in 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 Europe, where did you do most of your scoring as a big man? I well, the, one thing is at, at that period they had the wider keys. Okay, so it was more of a, it was a more of a transition game, and you had to get up and down the court, and so. Being a quick big man, I I killed the the, the big you know slow footed big guys because I could out quick them because yeah. the, the key was wider, gave me more room to operate. And I must I would basically the top of the key was where my game. I'd come, they try to double team me down low, and I would just pop to the top of the key and turn around and fire from there. You know, so um, my my game was pretty much fifty fifty, and that was like I was like in the middle. At the time I was peer- playing, was it was you had to be a dominating center that stayed down low, but they didn't let us pop out. And that was I, I played a lot. I actually my first game was against Alvin Adams. Oh yeah, he was in Oklahoma and Indiana State, and uh, we had the battle because you know we were the different type of a big man because we both could go in and out. So. Yeah, I, I always consider him as the original four man. He really was the person who came in as your first power forward that was, yeah. you know, could move around and take that shot. And you know, that seventeen footer is so powerful if you have it and you're a big man like yourself. How did your game change when you came back? Say, if you played in the United States, did your game change? You come back over here and play? Yeah, but, but I was like funnily, funnily sound down low. I had a left hand, right hand. My 
I, I, I could go either way, kind of like Swin Nader and uh-huh. some of the old big guys. I had that game, but I was quicker and a little bit lighter. And so when I came back here, it was like I was in a, a different position because I wasn't, I was kind of mean and very physical, but I wasn't like the true, I mean, I, I, some of my best games was against uh, Maurice Lucas, and mm. we hated each other, but I was quick, and he always tried to drive me into the ground, and I was actually quick enough to get out of his way most of the time, but um, my, I was like, I frustrated a lot of, you know, big guys because I was quick, and they just didn't, you know, I didn't take the pounding like a lot of them did, but I mean, I it, it was, I, I wanted to come back here so much, and I mean, uh, Nelly really wanted me back with Milwaukee, yeah. and I fit in, and, and they had Scott English and me, and uh, Swain Nader were supposed to come back, and when I went there to Italy that first year, but um, I, I just, I, I was like a unique player, because you didn't really, you had the big pounding, you know, number four guy, who was your power forward, who was truly a, a, just a pounding guy, that yeah. you're off four, you know, you're, you're forward to just beat up people, and you had your big center that just crushed everybody down low. And I was kind of like in between. I can, you know, when you start to pound on me a little bit down low, I just pop out to 15, 20 and, and, and kill you. So. Nice, nice. And, and it, obviously if you're scoring your upward 30s, didn't you have one game where they were getting ready to trade you or something and everyone passed you the ball and you averaged or that game, you came up with some huge number? Or, I remember you telling me one time you had one game where it was just the numbers were unreal. Can you remember yeah, that? Yeah, I had like about 64, and I think I missed one shot the whole game. <laughs> yeah. The time. yeah, and I was like, how does one do that? And you explained to me that, uh, I, you know, it's kind of how the nature of the beast is in Europe, whether whether or not you're going to be traded, and, and that you, you really had a, a lot of friends on that team, I think you were sharing with me, and they just decided yeah. this game, they're going to pass you the ball, and they did. And guess what you oh, did boy. with it? You shot it every, <laughs> every single time, 64 points later. They kept you, right? Then they re-signed you after that game. I'm, I'm here telling oh, your man. story. <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were to keep me. Actually, I don't want to say there, there was another player that I was playing against who actually was talking a lot of trash. And you know, I just left one team out of Venice, and I'm not going to say the guy because the guy just went in the Hall of Fame. So the guy I was playing against that game, I actually moved um, to another team. And so when we came in to play him and I'd been MVP, and I was pretty popular in that region in Venice. And when I came back, and he was talking trash, like, you know, I was nobody. And so uh, it was the first time I just told my teammates, I go, hey, don't look for passes. And I usually pass a lot. Uh-huh. I, I shot a lot, but I passed a lot. I, said, I just went the ball down every time down court. And uh, I loaded up and had, a, had a, one of those games that we, we – we have from time to time when you're just hot and yeah. everything's going in. And you don't even have to look at the bucket. It's just you know, you're just hot. Oh, I love that. What do you say? I knew, I knew I was hot in one game when I popped up to a 16 footer, turned around and shot the ball, and then looked at the rim and made it. <laughs> so I know what you mean by you know you're just in one of them zones. And man, I don't, I never put together a 64 point game. So you must have been in that zone. And that's just to me. I thought that was just a great story uh, to share. Any yeah, jeepers. But Matt, it's a little bit easier over the year because you know you, you only really had when I first went there. There was only one American on the team, and yeah. then the, I think my second year they had one American and uh, you know Italian foreigner. So you had to be your parents had to be born there, and then they moved it to two Americans a game. And usually, what happens is in, over there at that period is you know it, you won as a team, and then you lost. If, if you lost, it was American. It's American so, <laughs> you, you, you had to, when you had to, yes, it was. You, you made sure who was going to put the ball up. Oh, so. man. And I tell you what, and I remember it too being over there. 
you lose three games in a row, and you better watch over your back because they're looking to move you. And you know that's the same, don't you? I mean, you can't lose games. It's your fault. Well, you know, it, there's a different philosophy there. You don't play for the team. You play for the town. And that's, that's the most brutal part of, uh, of it is if you, if you, when you lose a game, everybody in the whole town is upset and, and sad because you lost the game because they're, they're so proud of their town. And they only play and so one game a week, right? Back then you just played on Sundays or Saturday nights or something? Sunday afternoon, Sunday you play afternoon. one game a week, and so if you lost three three in a row, that's a long month. That's like a whole month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not, well, it, the whole month. Yeah. So yeah, the the European influence has touched the NBA now. Only oh, yeah. thirty two of the sixty players that were drafted are from the United States. Mm-hmm. That and that's that's loose. I mean, because Ben Simmons is technically from Australia, but. He's nah, he grew up country. here. I mean, it's I mean, it's it's not. I mean, it, it it's an inexact science at this juncture, but it's something to that, that puts us on notice. And Rick knows as well as I know. They start drafting people from other countries because they want to make NBA basketball a global game, and it is a global game. It's become more of a global game. But say this: you have one player from the country of China. You're going to have a billion, you know, four hundred million people, you know, following that one NBA player. So is it how good his game is, or the fact that you can get a well, nickel well, out of a billion five hundred million people? So I know it's all a financial decision as well. well We're going to have less fundamental people coming in and going like Rick was talking about earlier. It's just going to happen. Yeah, but there are two points about that. we got a minute to break. One is that most of these guys have been playing professional basketball one way or another. Mm. So you take college where they have to go to class and they have to do all these things, or in theory, or you have these guys that are 18 that have been playing professional basketball for three years. Yeah. Like Tony Parker started playing when he was 14 or something. Mm-hmm. So you have that, number one. And number two... You can stash them. You draft and stash. So, yes, it's a draft pick, but they don't take up a roster spot. You're not paying them yet, yeah. a la Ricky Rubio. We'll talk about this on the other side of the break. Alex Clancy, Matt Fish in studio. Rick Darnell on the line, the uh, Los Angeles president for the uh, Los Angeles chapter. Uh, I said that twice. The chapter president for the Los Angeles chapter of the NBRPA. I said yep. it again. Yep. Uh, we'll be right back. We'll talk um, some free agent potential signings as well. Rebound Radio. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, 
and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Rebound Radio with Matt Fish. Call into the show today at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also drop an email to mattfish at reboundradio.com. Now, back to the show. Uh, welcome back. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm in, I'm, I'm in shock. Um, okay. So anyways, uh, welcome back. Alex Clancy, Matt Fish in studio, Rebound Radio, Voice America Radio. Check out voiceamerica.tv, the Rebound channel. Matt Fish has very, um, fun, interesting, informative interviews with, um, with myriad former players, executives, etc. Uh, we will be doing, well, he will be, Rebound Radio, and the, uh, Legends, of the NBA, NBA Legends will yep. be in Las Vegas, yep. uh, July 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th. It's a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. Um, talk more about it. Yeah, it's not far away, and we're heading up there in about three weeks. Like you said, 16th, 17th, 18th. Uh, all the presidents of the chapters will be represented there. Uh, I, being one at the Phoenix, and then Rick Darnell, whom we have on the phone, will be representing the L.A. chapter. We have 11 chapters across the United States, so it's another opportunity for us to get together and talk about what we've done in our communities, and get some good ideas and how to come back and bring, you know, making that difference in the community. Uh, certainly seeing a bunch of friends uh, friends and, 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 you know, opponents, you know, but fraternizing with, with a bunch of guys that, uh, you know, it's a small fraternity because there's only a few that have the opportunity to make it to the, to the NBA level and the WNBA level. And, and so we're, we're really excited to be able to have the same kind of mindset, uh, same, going through the same issues, you know, the, the same type of thing. So what we do is uh, this conference that we're going to go to, we have breakout sessions, and there's a variety of things that we can learn, ways to build your brand, w- you know, ways to work on your portfolio. You know, is there a variety of different opportunities to get jobs? Maybe you want to be somebody who has your own radio show or has your own TV show, so they have opportunities to teach you and train you on, on how to speak well. And, 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 and it's just really good that, that they do this for the transitioning athlete. Uh, we need to get younger. I mean, we're an order group. We're looking for ways to get younger. Um, and we are. We've got a new contract with the NBA, so the money that's coming in is, is going to be that much better to make a bigger difference. So uh, we're excited with the way the NBRPA is going, and uh, we're excited to have our conference where we all get together and see one another. I'm looking forward to seeing Rick Darnell, who we have on the line here today, uh, talking basketball, and I appreciate you sharing some of your experiences from Europe and even out there in um, um, Orange County, you must not have it too bad being in Orange County. It's not bad at all. I mean, you were talking about Venice earlier, and now you're talking Orange County. Yeah, and, and, and we're looking at 115 outside. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's kind of warm here. So we have we have the uh, free agency deadline or the start of the free agency looming. We are under, oh, my God, we're at like six hours and 15 minutes. Five hours and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Five hours and 15 minutes away. Um 
And there's a laundry list. Let's just go on the line. Kevin Durant, Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Wade, DeMar DeRozan, Al Horford, Hassan Whiteside, Mike Connolly hasn't been talked about a lot, uh, Dwight Howard, Harrison Barnes has been talked about too much, mm. <laughs> uh, and Rajon Rondo, who still can make a difference for some team, and, and uh, I, I truly believe that. So let's start with the number one. First of all, breaking news, uh, Al Horford now follows Kevin Durant on Twitter. Cool. So. We, so who knows? Maybe <laughs> that's that's a match made in heaven. He's signing with Oklahoma City. Let's just uh, let's just say that that that's the prediction. Right. Who knows what's going to happen? But I thought that was sweet, so I thought I'd mention that. So Kevin Durant, number one on the list. Um, traditional theory would uh, suggest that he's going to sign a one-year deal um, worth a lot of money to stay in Oklahoma City. Uh, see if they can make another run. They made the trade for Oladipo, got rid of Serge Ibaka, who is pretty much uh, just a uh, in an excess piece at this point to the puzzle. He doesn't really fit with the mold that Billy Donovan's trying to build there. Um, I like the move, though. I do like Oladipo coming yeah, in Yeah, you get there. younger. It, it shows that they're trying to get better. It shows they're putting a little money out there. It shows that they're trying to be a competitive team again. They're trying to get back into the playoffs. They're trying to get to the finals. To me, it was more of a, hey, man, we want to prove to you of course, the Durant, <laughs> that yeah. we are trying to put a team together. Please stay. Yeah. And, and I, you know, hey, I think he'd be crazy going because he had such a really good, you know, year this year. I know he didn't have the year he wanted to have. Um, but that's a lot of money still going in his pocket. It's just a one-year deal. I, I just, I'd just be surprised if he left. Well, yeah, I mean, and there, there are a couple of things that Victor Oladipo brings that, that Serge Ibaka doesn't have. No. Number one, it's uh, a perimeter defense. Um, he's got really long arms. He's 6'4". Uh, really long arms. He provides a backup point guard for Russell Westbrook. He provides running the point with Russell Westbrook on the court so Russ can focus on scoring like he likes to do. Um, but the biggest thing is he provides small ball, something that Serge Ibaka cannot provide. You can't bring out a clunky lineup 82 games a year. So if your starting lineup goes from Russ, uh, Andre Roberson, who played really well in the playoffs, but he's not an 82-game guy, Kevin Durant, and then, you know, Enos Kanter and Serge Ibaka, that's, that's big, yeah. okay? Now, and especially if you get Al Horford, potentially it could be Westbrook, Oladipo, Durant, Horford, Steven Adams. That's a championship team. Hey, look, they're you're very they're very lucky that Stephen Adams worked out like he did yeah. because the draft that the, the the trade that they made to get him was very questionable. And 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 if if Adams hadn't worked out like he did, it'd have been uh, very poorly thought of. Yeah, but they're also paying Enos Kanter sixty million dollars over six years or seven years. So it, Stephen Adams is still on his rookie deal. He's not making any money, comparatively speaking. Right. So they're going to have to give Enos Kanter more minutes, or they're going to have to ship him. And I don't know if it's going to be a sign-in trade with Atlanta to be able to get Al Horford the money he needs coming up, or if they're going to just... Because this is... The salary cap is going up 34 mil starting next year. That's a 36% increase from the uh, 60... Uh, from the 70... Or it's going up 24 million mm-hmm. from 70 to 94. So Horford can get around... I think it's it's definitely over $100 million over there. And if he were to go over there, which I think is a better fit for him than, than Boston, uh, he's going to get between 100 and 130 mil and... Uh, they could stay together forever. Like, if he goes and signs a long-term deal there, Durant signs a long-term deal there, and Russell Westbrook signs a long-term deal there, that is the fusion of a big three with this day and age of basketball that's a little different from five years ago when it was Dwayne Wade, LeBron, and Chris Bosh. You need to be strong, you need to play defense, and you need to be able to play big and small ball with the same guys. You know, you you put Steven Adams in, or you take him out, and you have big and small with them. Mm -hmm. So... It'll be interesting to see what happens with those two players. Um, 
the one that really interests me is is Dwight Howard. Yeah, now, I'm just going to bring him up, too. I've talked about Dwight Howard yeah. recently. I'm like, you know what? As a Laker fan, I wouldn't be upset to see him back there. And for Ugh. way smaller. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh. You always... And my dad, almost, he, he <laughs> slaps me in the face with his words every time I say this. But not necessarily with the Lakers, but in general. He's not going to demand the amount of money that he once did five or six years ago. Right? He got the money he wanted when he went to Houston. They never really thought they were going to win there. But he got no sales tax. He got paid. He got you know he made a lot of money. Uh, they were competitive, but they still stunk because you know James uh, uh, James Harden and him took thirty five shots combined, and James James Harden took twenty four of them. So it, you can't really say that Dwight Howard's going to produce if you have a guy that's taking twenty shots a game or twenty two shots a game. And, I, and I've been getting everyone's feeling. Last week we had a. You know, caller too. We we were asking about what their thoughts were with Howard. Rick, what do you think about Dwight Howard? Does he have some good years, and and is he going to be troublesome to where he goes, or do you think he can really be a good, impactful player on any team that might be smart enough or dumb enough to bring him in? You, you've got to. Um, it's kind of. It's an interesting question. You've got to look at the fact that when he came into the Lakers, he had to deal with Kobe and. Uh, and, and Harden's type of the same type of player. I mean, before it was his show, and then he's, he's been trying to fit into somebody else's who you're going to do their team and that you're walking in on their territory. Yeah, it so, sounds like Kevin Love, um, yeah. Yeah, and so it's kind of like, exactly like Kevin trying yeah. to fit in where he's at yeah. right now. It, it's a hard fit. And, you know, as a player, it's hard to go in there and be accepted. You're used to your game and you're everything being catered to you, and also next thing you're the second fiddle, and it's hard to deal with. I, I, it might not be a bad situation to come in if he did go in there. It might not be that bad fit for a year or two for him with his experience and a young team, and then you eventually phase him out. But you're going to have somebody who's got to fill his shoes, too, in two or three years, too, to keep the transition going on. But um, can, can he uh, help a team? Can, can Dwight Howard step in and still help a team, and is he worth it? Is he? Does there still value in that body? And I know he's a beast. He just looks like the N one guy. I mean, he you know yeah. he just looks like this huge hulking of a human being. But then he gets on these teams, and he just I don't know what it is about the guy. He just isn't a winner. Yeah, and, and, and that's I think you're hitting it right on. It, he, he's got the ability to play. He's got the strength. He's, he's got the body to do it. Probably for a few more years. Does he want to put in that hard effort and and play a team game and, and give out? Give that 100% every night, or is he been had made enough money and just might just give up in, in a few games that he shouldn't? Well, I remember him putting on that Superman cape and dunking an 11 foot basketball when he was in the dunk contest, and I thought if this guy and he did, he can do it all. And then I was like, but when? You know, he can't win. <laughs> okay, well here's the thing: is he made it to the finals with a team that just put jerseys on and he pretty much did everything? That team was awful. The second best team, second best player on that team. Might have been Rashard Lewis, who was making more money than anybody in basketball from a bad contract that he got with the Wizards, with him and with him and Gilbert Arenas. Um, yeah. With Dwight Howard, say he goes to the Celtics. Okay, that's what the pundits, that's what the talking heads are saying. Say hypothetically speaking, this team is younger, faster, better than that Orlando Magic team. Granted, he's waned in his abilities, but he also hasn't, as you said, Rick, or he hasn't been given the ball a lot in in the last five years. So. Yeah. The, he got what he wanted. He got the fame. He went to L.A. didn't work out. Okay, He had a back issue that nobody – he didn't really talk about. But if he can get any sort of fountain of youth, I think it would be in Boston. And there's one interesting fact. that Brad Stevens is still a college coach. 
He happens to be coaching in the NBA. He happened, you know, the last couple of years. Dwight Howard never went to college. So I think Brad Stevens, above many, maybe Billy Donovan, above many coaches in the NBA, can get to somebody that never went to college. Because I think the problem, the problem children that college coaches deal with are sometimes tougher than the egos you have to deal with in the NBA. And Dwight Howard is, is the perfect storm of both. So I think that, you know, that'd be great. And he's not expected to win there because LeBron's still in Cleveland. So they, but I think they would jump up to be the automatic number two seed if Dwight Howard goes there next year. Yeah, well, you know, we'll see. I know that this much that he's going to be able to cash a nice big old fat check again. Do you think it's going to be that much? Uh, you, you don't think you, he's not going to get a hundred mil from anybody? Well, yes, I, I mean, what what is big money anymore? I guess. Well, well, big money. well, the veterans now are going to make like yeah. they were talking. Tyler Johnson, the role player from Miami, is going to get ten million dollars a year on the market. Because of the salary cap going up. Because teams now, now have to spend a certain amount to stay above the salary cap floor. So you have to spend a certain amount of money. So if they don't have big names to bring in, they got to give it to whoever wants to come and play for them. So I right. think Dwight Howard can get, he can get three years, 60 mil. That's not a lot of money anymore. But I don't think he's going to get a seven-year deal again. He might right. get two or three years. Some team will try him out, and then there will be a, a, a team option for the second or third year. But you think he's got to be able to make teams better still. Yeah. I, I just don't think he's that far gone. You know, he's only been in the league eight years or nine years, right? Mm-hmm. Ten years? Ten years? Um, Wait, yeah. Is that what? Has it been that many? I don't know. I'm yeah. going to look right now. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's, uh, he was drafted in 2004. Okay. Oh, so 11 years. 11 years. Yeah. So that's, uh, I think, 11 years with how the seasons start. Um, but yeah, I still can't believe that he won't make a, an important impact, especially yeah. because there. How many centers are there in the NBA? Well, true like centers. legitimate centers. Mm, three. Yeah, uh, Demarcus <laughs> Cousins. Yeah. Dwight Howard. I mean, Stephen Adams is taller than everybody else, but you can't really call him a legitimate center because yeah. he doesn't have an impact. Bulgut. Nah. Yeah. Hassan Whiteside. Yeah. Hassan. Mark, Mark Gasol. There, yeah, Mark yeah. Gasol. There's a good. Call. So that's five. So 16%, less than 16% of the league have a legitimate center. So take him. He's, he's taller. He can block shots. He can catch an alley-oop. That's really all you need him to do and play defense. You have that last line of defense. You know, and they don't have that yeah. in Boston. Hmm. They're small. And so I think, I mean, that's fine. Uh, it's just I want him to succeed, but he's kind of been a pain in, pain in the ass the yeah. whole time. So yeah. do you really want him to succeed? I, when it really comes down to it, I just want to watch good basketball and watch good teams win. Because yeah. I really like Brad Stevens. I like what they've done through the draft. And Danny Ainge has done a remarkable job trading Paul, uh, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett for the future of the Brooklyn Nets. They can switch. If the Brooklyn Nets get the number one overall pick next year, that's the Celtics pick because of the Paul Pierce-Kevin Garnett trade. So Prokhorov and whoever the hell the GM was at the time traded their future away for two guys just to put seats in the stands at the at people in the stands at the new Barclays Center. And look how well that worked out. Neither of the players are, are there now. Yeah, they're not even there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future. NBA Legends, July 17, 18, 19, yep. in Las Vegas. Mandalay Bay. Mandalay Bay. Mandalay Bay. Uh, come out. Rick Darnell will be there. Yep. Los Angeles chapter president yep. for the NBRPA. Maddie Fish Fry Fish will be there. I will. The Phoenix chapter president of the NBRPA. 
I may or may not be there. Rebound Radio may or may not be there. I hope so. We will let you know next week about that, hopefully. Yep. we got to get out of here. Alex Clancy, Matt Fish in studio. Rick, thank you so much for joining us. We will see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in to Rebound Radio. Please join Matt Fish next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll profile another legend of basketball. Have a great week.